0: Welcome to TheJournal.es, The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, what the F is going to happen with Brexit now? Getting Brexit done. That was Boris Johnson's one job when he took over as leader of the Conservative Party and became British Prime Minister. He did like to talk about crime figures, about the NHS, about a great legislative programme to bring the UK into the future, but really his job was to get Brexit done, and to get it done by the 31st of October. But we just got the House of Commons calendar for next week. And on Thursday, the 31st of October, MPs in Westminster will be paying tribute to the Speaker's Chaplain and they'll be having a general debate on spending on children's services. And Brexit will likely not be done. So how in the hell did we get here? It feels like a question we've asked a few times on the Explainer. And certainly my phone lights up every time there's a key vote in the House of Commons with questions from friends. What are they voting on now? What does this mean? And every time there is... A similar answer with a similar caveat we do not have a crystal ball but look here's what the next step is and we're back in studio to do that again for the explainer and with me are the journal.e reporter ronan duffy and our resident brexit expert who you're all very familiar with now gronny a before we get into the chat, I would like to put a call out there, though, because if you do have questions about stories that are in the news, Brexit or non-Brexit related, and you'd like to hear expert voices on them, please hit us up with your ideas. Our producers, Aoife, Christine and Nikki would love to hear from you, and you can get them on Aoife at the or you can leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. But all right back to Brexit again and just to note it is now Thursday the 24th of October at about 20 past 12 so just in case anything changes and we come out of the studio and something has uh, completely altered our conversation that's when we're recording. Hi again it's Sinead but this time Sinead in the future as I said there in my introduction we recorded this podcast at 12 20 p.m. on Thursday the 24th of October. It is now still Thursday the 24th of October but it's 6 p.m. and it turns out we're pretty good at predicting things as we do later in this episode that Boris Johnson would continue to push for a general election before Christmas. He has just formally done so. He has written to uh, Jeremy Corbyn, the Labour leader, and has stood up in the House of Commons to say that he wants to hold that general election on the 12th of December if the EU grants an extension, which we presume they will in the coming days. So now the House of Commons will vote next week on whether to back that request and hold an election. He will need two thirds of Parliament to vote with him. Um, One caveat is that he wants it on the 12th of December. That's not necessarily what the House of Commons will vote for, but they will vote on whether to hold an election. If they vote to hold an election, Parliament will more than likely dissolve after midnight on the 6th of November. Now let's get back to what we were explaining in the first place. (laughs) Grania, i I'm tempted to ask how the hell we got here and what the F is going to happen and just let you talk, but let's break it down a little bit more. Last week, there was an expectation that Johnson would get his deal through Parliament on what was dubbed Super Saturday. But what actually happened on that day?
1: Yeah, so this date was meant to be the final vote. It was scheduled for right after the EU summit and if there was an extension or a Brexit deal or whatever happened, Parliament would have its say on what would happen next. And what happened was it got hijacked by Parliament, as we've probably heard a million times um, since Brexit was voted for. So an amendment was put down that meant that Boris Johnson would have to get all the legislation underpinning this deal. So this deal that he struck up with the EU that has kind of Remove the backstop and put something else in its place and kind of jiggled around the uh, political declaration, that legislation that would have to be put into British law that translates the deal into British law, that would all need to be passed by Parliament before a vote on the deal happened. this so, so the proponents of this amendment said that this was a safeguard against a no-deal Brexit because what if they voted for the deal, the legislation gets caught up in Parliament with more amendments, more debate, and then we get to the 31st and nothing's done and, and it happens that way. And... Um, and then critics said, this is another delaying tactic. We're going to be forced into an extension. Uh, and this is just a long game to stopping Brexit happened by continuously putting it off and delaying it. Who put
0: forward that amendment?
1: So that that amendment was put forward by Oliver Letwin. He is, uh, you might hear amendments named after him quite a bit because he's a bit of a uh, former Tory troublemaker. Um He's an independent now, but uh, basically he wants the deal. He actually supports this deal. And he argued in Parliament that um, this is just a safeguard to stop us accidentally crashing out or... So is he a Brexiteer
0: or a Remainer or somewhere in between?
1: Well, yeah, well, there's a a whole shade in Parliament. He will be on the Brexiteer side. Uh, He thinks this deal is good and he actually supported Johnson's schedule for passing that legislation later. Um, so, again, there's a complicated shade of Brexiteer and non-Brexiteer MEPs in the House of Commons. He would be on the the more Brexiteer side of that scale. So on Super Saturday, after that amendment was passed, a lot of confusion is because of, a vote was scheduled to happen on Boris Johnson's deal with the EU. And because of this amendment, kind of hijacked it and put it on a different set of rail tracks, say, there, it wasn't really clear whether a vote had happened on, its, on the deal or not, what would happen next. There was a lot of talk about a vote on a Queen's speech that never happened. So instead we got another vote a couple of days later uh, to kind of forge a different path because Boris Johnson's plan again didn't go as he expected it to.
0: So that brought us to Tuesday where we were expecting more votes and maybe a, a clearer signal about what could happen. So on Tuesday, we had two important votes. So run us through those.
1: So there were two more important votes. The first one was on Boris Johnson's deal. This is effectively the, the vote he kind of expected to have, but it's the legislative process for that deal and um, so the second reading was up for a vote on MPs and he was largely expected to pass that which is actually quite a big deal considering we have no majority for any kind of Brexit deal for the past two years. That being said um, I think too much has been made of that deal. A lot of MPs said before and after the vote that they have passed it to kind of move Brexit along per se but they have a lot of concerns about certain aspects of Boris Johnson's deal that they would look want to look at at a later date.
0: So, what did the deal pass with? That was the the first kind of solid vote we had on the on the deal itself and the legislation to progress that deal. How many MPs voted for it? How many MPs voted against it?
1: So, there was uh, quite a clear um, majority there were, on the on the first vote on Boris Johnson's Brexit deal. You had three hundred and twenty nine MPs voting in favour of it. And 299 voted against it. So a majority of 30, which is comfortable enough. The DUP voted against it, um, which again was expected. So that was the first win for Boris Johnson. And he he kind of said it in his speech. I'm glad to see the House of Commons is finally in favour of some sort of Brexit deal. Thank God. Now, the reason he kind of was putting emphasis on that, though, as well, is because he lost that second deal, which is his schedule for rushing through this uh, legislation underpinning that deal that got the House of Commons support. So in short, the House of Commons voted for the deal in principle at the second reading, knowing that there is a third vote at a later date, but voted against the schedule for passing legislation that underpins that same deal.
0: So what was the schedule that Boris Johnson was putting forward? The schedule was three days,
1: including the day that the vote was to happen on. And that is considered a really, really... Fast amount of time. Not to say that it it couldn't be done. You know, uh, bills are fast tracked through the House of Commons quite a bit. A lot of the time, they have they they are passed simultaneously through. They are introduced in the House of Commons and the House of Lords at the same time, so that by the time they both finish, they don't have to wait for one house or one arm of of Parliament to finish before they get a go at it, basically. But the problem with this fast track is the withdrawal agreement is a 585 pages long the legislation underpinning that withdrawal agreement translating those 585 uh, pages into domestic law are 110 pages if you have debate in parliament and all the interruptions and and questions and points of order that mp's have uh, added to amendments they might have on those deal it's a very long process to squeeze into three days with a 31st of October deadline looming a couple of days later. You know, there's a very uh, specific cliff edge if they don't follow that kind of schedule. So uh, MPs were like, this is way too much work and way too important work for us to do in a short amount of time. Uh, MPs like uh, Oliver Letwin actually voted for the schedule, because um, they think that they're, because they had a kind of a safeguard somewhat with an extension in mind, uh, they didn't think a no deal was at risk and they voted for it. So there was a very complicated series of uh, motives for voting for or against it, but basically Barge Johnson lost um, and had to rethink his entire approach, which led to him pausing the legislation entirely instead of introducing a new schedule, as Jeremy Corbyn, Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn, suggested. He said, look, we're pausing the whole thing and we'll see what what the EU say. So it's that's in, where we are now.
0: It's in purgatory, it's in limbo.
1: <laughs> limbo, bar, as uh, John Burko said, which is a technical term, not a, not a dig at Boris Johnson.
0: And you mentioned that there was a couple of problems um, that people had brought up with the legislation. One of the things that's been talked about a lot um, has been the idea that there might be customs checks or any kind of checks between Great Britain and Northern Ireland under the withdrawal agreement and the legislation underpinning that. Do we know what's the latest on that? There have been different soundings about it. Would there be checks on goods between Great Britain and Northern Ireland?
1: Uh, there would be exit summary declarations. So if, and Stephen Barclay has kind of given an array of answers on this. So in short, Stephen Barclay is the Secretary the Brexit of- Secretary. Um, so, you know, to, to put it mildly, we're not really clear yet, partly because A lot of these questions will be answered if the withdrawal agreement passes in the transition period. These custom declarations or exit declarations wouldn't happen until the end of the transition period. So they're hoping to resolve a lot of these problems and cut down on administrative processes between then and now. Um, uh, Stephen Barclay says that they are going to be uh, admin processes on an online one page form, digital form, I think is how he phrased it, that businesses would have to fill out so that they know where the goods are going, so that they know what tariff to apply. As we know, if goods are going from Great Britain to Northern Ireland and staying there, uh, they, tariffs will be treated differently than if they are going to Northern Ireland and to the EU. There will be a different tariff regime in charge there. So they need to know where the goods are going to in order to apply tariffs to it. And because of that, they need these exit declarations. Whether they... Um, are whether they change the constitutional position of Northern Ireland, which seems to be the main concern. I think there's a confusion between assuming cheques change the constitutional status. Stephen Barclay is saying that they don't, whereas the DUP say it could be a road to that.
0: At the time of recording, what is the EU saying about the possibility of an extension?
1: As they have said all along since the possibility of another extension, a third one at this stage, uh, they said that they are, well, MPs and officials have said they're most likely going to grant one. Um, this is because they're worried that if they don't grant one and the immediate conclusion is that the UK crashes out of the EU, that would mean that the EU gets blamed again for something that is kind of like a failure of negotiations. And Boris Johnson hasn't kind of shied away from blaming the EU on that either. He said that if there's a no-deal Brexit, it would be a failure of statecrafts on all our parts or for, for everyone. So because of that, uh, the EU are very conscious that giving another extension and prolonging uncertainty for businesses and the EU and being uh, jumbled up in this Brexit confusion is actually a lesser problem than giving another extension and giving the UK more time to work out what the hell they want. So at time at this time, Boris Johnson has asked for one, but he says he doesn't
0: want one, but he has formally requested one, correct?
1: Yeah. And I think he we kind of play that one cleverly. Um because he said he doesn't want an extension. He doesn't want an extension. And he has the courts have actually compelled him to. So there's there's nothing he, more he could have done but ask for one. And I don't think even hard Brexiteers are blaming him for that. He was compelled by law to do something as British Prime Minister and by Parliament as well. So he's ex- requested an extension. It's not really clear yet how long um, one would be in Another amendment, um, the uh, the Ben amendment or the Ben Act that was passed at early September, just before Parliament was prorogued, it w- it requested Johnson to send this letter and seek an extension up until at the earliest the thirty first of January twenty twenty, and that seems to be the deadline that people are sticking to. Um, there's talk about whether it be a flex extension. So if a deal is passed before that the UK leaves before that but we had that before and we're still at the 31st of October deadline.
0: So more than likely the EU will let us know at some point this week whether the extension to the 31st of January or any other date is allowed.
1: It's like uh, I think the Taoiseach said in the Dáil this week that he's expecting an answer on that particular question on Friday or Monday so we'll know and that depends on how much uni- unanimity is within the EU 27 if they all agree there's an extension they might not need a summit. If one or two disagree they're like I really don't think we should go through this whole thing again for another six months or three months or whatever Uh, there will be another EU summit to decide if they give an extension and if so what what it'll look like.
0: right so more than likely Brexit isn't being done next week Ronan what happens to Hmm. the UK parliament then are we more or less likely to have a general election if so how will that play out?
2: Well, I think as Kron, you pointed out there, we're perhaps likely to get an extension from the EU. They've got to get grant it towards the UK. But what they've always said is that they're not going to grant an extension for no reason. There has to be a reason for an extension. And at the moment, you know, the two possible reasons look, look to be either hold a general election or to actually get. Brexit passed and perhaps not on the timeline that the UK government originally wanted. They might not get out by the 31st of October, but if they get out by the 15th of November, well, then at least they've got Brexit done. So that's kind of the heart of the debate of what's happening at the moment. Um, Now, just to remind people, if we were to get a general election under the Fixed Terms Parliament Act, Johnson would need two thirds of the House of Commons to agree to that general election. He's twice tried to get that to happen and twice been rejected, um, mainly because the majority of the Labour Party uh, abstained in those votes, so it was impossible for him to get that two-thirds majority. Now Labour's reason for doing that, as Jeremy Corbyn said, was that they will back an election once the threat of no deal has been removed. At the time it was put forward, no deal was looking like the most likely option. Now that there is a deal between UK government and the EU, it's a question about whether or not the threat Of a no deal has receded enough for them to back an election. So that's kind of where Labour um, comes into it. Now they can also force an election themselves, the Labour Party, if they were to table a no confidence vote uh, in Boris Johnson. It's something that um, Corbyn has been unwilling to do so far. If he was to lose, if Johnson was to lose such a vote, then it would have a 14 day period where the Parliament would have to look towards forming another government, and that kind of makes things complicated because Corbyn has wanted to lead that alternative government, but he hasn't really been able to cobble the support together from the Liberal Democrats to support him in that. So it makes it a lot more complicated for them to go down that route. So it's most likely if we're going to have an election, it's through the route of uh, the fixed-term parliament. Now, what are the parties thinking about that? That's you know that's that's uh, as with everything with Brexit, you know, n- there's no consensus really <laughs> on either party on this. For the Conservatives, you know, there's a couple of ways um, of looking at it. Now, as Grania outlined, there, it, it's a very complicated process. But this week, we did have the first example of a Brexit bill passing through the House of Commons. Now, there are caveats beside behind that because there would be new, new, more further votes, as we've outlined. But for Tories who are saying are primary objective is to get Brexit done you know what why stop now when we've actually got some kind of Brexit bill uh, through Parliament so that's what they're saying they're saying why have an election now let's push it out a few weeks and let's let's see if we if we can get it done I think Damien Green who was um, one of Theresa May's closest allies before he was forced out of cabinet he was on LBC radio this morning and, and he put it you know if Boris delivers Brexit which is within his grasp as he said you know the Brexit party you know Nigel Farage's party has nothing to say to us so that kind kind of articulates the Tory position that a Boris with Brexit in his back pocket could be a very strong position to fight an election. Now that's one thing within the Conservative Party. There's another, you know, maybe slightly darker Cummings-esque kind of view. There's a lot of talk that Dominic Cummings has been plotting an election that's kind of uh, around the idea of people versus Parliament, that people wanted Brexit and it's Parliament that is preventing it happen. And as Grania outlined, they've been, they've hijacked his deal, so to speak. So, that very much feeds into the idea that if we were to fight an election now Boris Johnson could argue and say look I brought it back, brought back a deal to parliament they're stopping me deliver it give me the numbers. So that's perhaps a reason why the Conservatives might want to have an election before Brexit gets done.
0: Do we know which side of the Conservative Party Boris Johnson is leaning more towards? Like We've done an Explainer podcast on Dominic Cummings and his hmm. closeness to Boris Johnson, but do we have any clue now whether he's leaning towards the get Brexit done in the next few weeks side and then have an election or well, let's go and have an election a- ASAP?
2: The fact that he's already twice sought to have an election would suggest to me he really wants an election. Um I think as you said earlier on, the Boris Johnson was you know, selected to get Brexit done. Really, I think he was selected so the Tories could have Boris Johnson as their leader going into an election. They had a disastrous election in 2017 with uh, Theresa May as their leader. And perhaps, you know, a lot of the sheen has gone off Johnson. He's perhaps not the, have I got news for you, you know, funny eating tough with, you know, weird hair anymore. But there's perhaps a thinking that, in an election campaign, he'll bring a bit of that personality back. So I would say that he's perhaps leaning towards that kind of feeling that he wants an election.
0: And our producer has put this in our running orders. Just to nip this in the bud, can we ask about an Irish general election? Where does, there's obviously been a lot of talk about maybe Leo Vracker, if there was a deal done that he would want to kind of take that uh, um, and run with it, mm. and you know, take that kind of, I
2: guess... Um, Somewhat of a momentum, mem-
0: momentum. Yeah. yeah. Um, would there be any possibility that we'll have a general election? I think that was a
2: genuine um, possibility that was being talked about. And you know, had there been a deal, and you know, of course, Vracker Vark- was so prominent in the deal in Brussels. You know, if, if Fine Gael could have capitalised on that, but of course, you know, we've kind of stopped now. That kind of momentum has stopped. So. Had MPs voted through Boris Johnson's deal and came a bit more momentum towards Brexit happening, there might have been a bit more of a clamour within Fine Gael politicians to perhaps capitalise on that. Now that that's stalled, that's a lot more unlikely. And of course, you know, Irish politicians, what they can't even stomach is the idea of Christmas and election (laughs) being in the same sentence together. So the longer it rolls on, I think it's very, very unlikely we're going to have an Irish election this side of Christmas.
0: Grainne, it's unlikely we'll have a general election. Is it likely that we're going to have Brexit? Like we've we've now got to a point where we've had, you know, 31st of March is the deadline. Then we had a June deadline. Then we have an October deadline. Now, more than likely, we're going to have a January deadline. Will Brexit ever actually happen?
1: Yeah. And, you know, when people say what's going to happen on the 29th of March or, you know, uh, the 31st of October, is it going to be an, an, a no deal, a deal or an extension? An extension really isn't. decision. It's putting off a long term decision that has to be made at a later date. And uh, it's impossible to predict. But one thing that commentators say over and over again is that if we keep seeing extensions to that Brexit deadline, if we keep seeing it being put off over and over again, that ultimately will lead to a, a reversal of Brexit. So you will get, you know, Uh, or a second referendum where the result is the opposite and and then a revocation of Article 50, which can be done as long as there is no Brexit deal passed and enacted upon. As long as we never hit that Brexit deadline date and go through with a deal or no deal, Article 50 can be revoked. So um, that is always an option. And uh, the man uh, who invented the word Brexit or first used it maybe, um, Peter Wilding, he predicted that we would get to October if there's not an election in October, we would get to the October deadline and there'd be an extension. And that is exactly what looks to happen at this stage. And he said, if that keeps happening, there will be no Brexit uh, happening at all.
2: And just to kind of bring, you know, the possibility of an election into that for a second, you know, if Brexit was sorted out, we had some kind of deal passed through Parliament before an election. That's perhaps something preferable that Labour would want, you know, because they're looking to take votes from the Liberal Democrats to take votes from the Brexit party as well. who Both of those parties have eaten into their vote over the last couple of years. But if the Brexit issue was somewhat shelved, you know, Labour could campaign on the issues that were successful, but not successful in winning the election, but worked for them in the 2017 election on other kind of uh, non-Brexit related issues. Particularly
1: basically. because their Brexit position is so confused. Like mm. they don't, you know, the Liberal Democrats are so strong as a Remain party. You know, they, they might even get a bit of a boost if there was a Brexit deal as we're going to campaign to reverse this kind of thing. Um, but the but the Labour Party is so confused in, in its message that having an election now just doesn't suit the party. Mm. Having one post, um, post-Christmas, post even if there is a Brexit deal done, really would shelve a lot of the issues they have in terms of how do we appeal to voters when we don't know what we want from Brexit ourselves. Yeah.
0: What are the next steps that we do know about?
1: So um, as it stands now... Ourselves, like the general public, Ireland, the UK government is waiting to hear from the EU on what happens next. Um, as was mentioned before, the EU have an extension request from the UK. Uh, whether Boris Johnson likes it or not, and they're considering it. Um, Tusk is consulting with EU leaders to see what they think of it. Um, At the moment, there seems to be some pushback on uh, an extension from France, from uh, French President Emmanuel Macron, but he pushed back against the former extension and and we got a 31st, six-month, 31st of October uh, extension. So... He could bring EU leaders on side, and we get a unanimous give the UK an extension uh, to the 31st of January result. Uh, The other uh, alternative is that there is still some disagreement and an EU summit will then happen. If that happens, then I suppose we have to wait to see what happens there. But it's most likely that they will grant some sort of extension. That might be just to get a Brexit deal passed. It might be, as Ronan said, to get uh, a general election done in the UK. So there is a clear support in the House of Commons for what, or to pass something through it, basically, because it's too fractured at the moment. Although I don't know what kind of House of Commons majority would pass something Mm. unanimous, or would be unanimous in in what kind of Brexit they wanted. Um, And after that, you know, it really does, um, we, we really don't know, you know, and this is why people keep asking what's happening with Brexit at the moment, because we, we go one day and then something completely new comes out, like a, a, a verdict that says prorogation is illegal or an amendment that says he has to request an extension. All these things can't be planned for and completely change the, the chess game, this Brexit chess board that we're looking at.
0: And we will continue to be here on The Explainer to bring you through it. Thanks so much, Ronan and Grania. And we do have other episodes in the in the back catalogue, which will explain some of these things that we've been talking about today. If you're um, confused about any of it, there's one on Dominic Cummings. There's one on what a no-deal would do to our food. Um, so check all of that out wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Ronan and Grania for all their work on this episode Just a reminder before we go about another podcast from thejournal.ie Stardust, a six-part special looks back on St. Valentine's Night in Dublin 1981 where 48 young people lost their lives in a nightclub fire Hearing from the bereaved, the first responders and those who have been fighting for justice over four decades, reporter Sean Murray and the team ask, how did Ireland handle such a tragedy and why was much of what happened in the four decades since dictated by class? episodes one, two and three are available wherever you listen to your podcasts. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by executive producer Christine Bowen, producer Aoife Barry and assistant producer and tech operator Nikki Ryan. If you're enjoying these podcasts please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen. Thank you and catch you next time.